By now, I'm sure you've heard at least a hundred times one of the following statements. Christmas is the season for giving, the magic of Christmas, Christmas miracles. Not only that, but at Christmas time, we see some of the most amazing transformation takes place in people who may be hard-driving or Scrooge-like, stingy, or has no regard for anyone else, or, or don't even think of God. And for some reason, around Christmas time, some big transformation takes place in their life. They, they become generous and thoughtful and warm and fuzzy and even give a little. And so, for a short period of time at least, everybody talks about the spirit of Christmas, right? What is that spirit of Christmas? For those of us who know and love Jesus, the spirit of Christmas is 24-7 year-round. Why? Because we know firsthand that God loved, therefore He gave. Because we know firsthand, we have a firsthand experience of that indescribable, self-sacrificing love of God. Because of what we were like before Christ came into our life, and, and how we could not even comprehend that anybody could love us like that. And that is why Jesus said, for God so loved the world that He gave. Now, whether the rest of the world understand this or not, I, I know we do. We know that the spirit of Christmas, and the why is called the season of giving, and why we talk about the miracle of Christmas… <laughs> To those who know and love Jesus, every day is Christmas Day. Every day we wake up and we go and open not a box, but a book. Every day we receive a gift. Every day. Every waking moment, in fact, we are reminded by the Holy Spirit of the great gift. Because God so loved that He gave. Every day we are reminded from the Word of God that God's love was not a partial love, and it's not a partial love, that God's love is not part-time love, that God's love is not an occasional love, that God's love, not only He loves us when we're nice, but He loves us when we're naughty. <laughs> I mean, God's love is permanent and eternal and everlasting. See, the irony of Christmas is that often the one whose birthday we celebrate is sort of left out in the cold while we give each other expensive gifts. To compound this irony, the season which is supposed to intensify our rejoicing over God's gift of salvation, we find a large number of people become sad, depressed, lonely, despondent, and discouraged. And that's heartbreaking. And the main reason for this is the failure on the part of our secular, commercialized culture that raises expectations beyond reality, and we don't comprehend what the Creator God has done. In fact, the summary of the entire Bible, the summary of the whole Christian faith is this, because God loved so much that He gave so much. It is possible to give without loving but it is impossible to love without giving. In fact, the more you love, the more you give. 
your level of love is a barometer of the level of your sacrifice. And I'm talking about everything. I'm not talking just about giving things. I'm talking about everything. To those of us who are the recipients of that amazing gift of God, the gift of salvation, the amazing mercy and forgiveness of all of our sins, the amazing grace that promised eternal life, there is no option but to give of ourselves in gratitude. We don't pay God back. He can never pay in a 20,000 lifetimes, but we give in gratitude and in thanksgiving. His example should be ours. His role model should be ours to emulate. His sacrificial love should be something that we imitate on a daily basis. But because of the influence of our secular culture, even among God's people, even the church, The moment you talk about sacrificial giving and people become very defensive. Oh, oh, he's going to preach on money. He's going to preach on giving. Relax. I'm going to collect your wallets at the end of the service. (laughs) In all seriousness, giving under compulsion is not part of the Christian life. Giving under compulsion is not part of the Christian life. Why? Because God did not give and does not give under compulsion. And that is why this most familiar text, and it is so familiar that sometimes you see it even in stadiums or or, or bumper stickers or even on some T-shirts. It's become so familiar that it really almost trivializes it. And today I want to take a very serious look at the clearest summary of the Christian faith, the clearest summary of what we are all about and the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. By the way, you cannot find a statement like this, John 3.16, in any of the other religions. So when they tell you all the religions basically lead to the same place, all religions lead to God and all the religions, there is not a single religion, and I've studied them, that says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only one begotten Son. Not one. They will say, strive hard, try harder, and you don't even have a clue, not even an inkling, whether God is hearing you or not. But our God is a loving God. Our God is a giving God. Our God is a sacrificing God. Our God is a condescending God. Our God is the one who reaches down to us in love. And that's what set the Christian faith apart. I remember very clearly, back after September 11, 2001, that horrible day in infamy when we had terrorist attacks upon the mainland of this beloved nation. One of the government officials was speaking to a group of people. He said, these terrorists, they sacrificed their sons for Allah, their God. Our God sacrificed His Son for us. And I want to say amen. Belongs here. I want to break down John 3.16 into three parts. Follow with me, please. Giving is God's nature. Loving is God's essence. Our salvation is God's desire. It's God's longing desire. Giving is God's nature. The Bible says, out of pure love, He gave. What did God give? A token of Himself? Ten percent of Himself? 
a day out of his busy schedule, a few hours a day? What did God give? A pittance of himself, a gift that he received and did not want, so he regifted it? A gift of, of which he had too many, so he gave one away? A gift that he bought at a 50% savings? Now, that one I never understand. I never will understand. 50% savings. And my dear, precious wife, all I said, I save 50%. Well, my dull Middle Eastern mind says, well, we could have saved 100% because we didn't need it. (laughs) I saved 50%. (laughs) But listen to me. When God loved, He gave His all. In fact, He had nothing else left to give when He gave Jesus, His Son. When you and I give back to God, we know we can give so much, but probably not more. Why? Because we have responsibilities. We have families to take care of. We have family needs to meet. We have to provide for our daily needs. And so we divide, and we measure, and we plan. But as I said, at least my experience, my family's experience in the last 40 years, when we give God off the top, when we give God the first fruit, we found that we got more left over, not less. But when God gave, He gave His one and only begotten Son. Why? Because giving is His nature. Years ago, we had, uh, and I'm so grateful for all of our off-duty policemen who come and help us here in the traffic and in this building. But we had a, a man who was with us for a number of years before he retired, and I remember him saying to me one time about a story about a preacher who decided to become a policeman. I don't know how that works, but he said the guy just got tired of preaching, so he went to the police academy. And he said that the final exams was oral exams, and and the examiners asked him the question. They said, how do you disperse a crowd? (laughs) Well, this preacher turned to the policeman. He said, I'll take a collection. (laughs) Smart guy. (laughs) You see, the heart of Christmas, and you know this, it's not ho, 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 and Christmas cheers. The heart of Christmas message is that God gave His all. Have you ever attended a birthday party where a birthday person stands in a corner by himself and all watching the guests celebrating and having fun? In this case, the guests are handing each other, as I said, expensive gifts while the birthday man person is totally ignored. That's what we're seeing. But just in case somebody kind of misunderstand me and think, well, Michael is just uh, a Scrooge and he is poo-pooing giving and receiving of gifts, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with giving and receiving gifts. I love it. Wonderful. As long as we don't receive the person whose birthday we are celebrating, don't leave him out. For God so loved the world that He gave. So giving is His nature. Secondly, loving is His essence. I want you to imagine this scenario, okay? Just imagine with me. A couple who have been dating for a long time, from what I hear now. Uh, remember, I try to stay up with the next uh, younger generation. Right? My generation, well, you know, with my generation, we dated a few months, and I said, marriage. Now, they tell me that they can't make up their mind. The commitment kind of… They, some people dating five or six years. But be that as it may, I want you to imagine this scenario. A couple have been dating for a long time. And finally, the guy looks at his girlfriend, and he says, "Um, I guess we better think about marriage. 
Now, I want you to imagine with me. Think with me, okay? Think about her excitement. Think about her elation. Think about her enthusiasm. Think about her going to her friends and saying, Hey, guess what? I'll tell you, repeat word for word. He said, I guess we better think of marriage. Now, I want you to contrast this with the following scenario. The man comes to his beloved with his entire life savings in a little box, a bouquet of flour in his hand. And he says to her, Baby, I want you to know that you mean everything to me. Baby, I just want you to know that I'm ready to die for you. You know that I love you with every ounce of my being. Baby, I want you to know that when I wake up, you're the first person that comes to mind. When I go to bed at night, you're the first person I'm thinking of when I go to sleep. Baby, I want to tell you, if they string me by my ears in the marketplace, they cannot stop me from loving you. Now, I'm going to ask the ladies a question, okay? Guys, you just keep quiet. I want to ask the ladies of the church, please answer me loud and clear, okay? You can, you can yell. It's okay. God, God doesn't get offended. Do you prefer scenario one or scenario two? God bless you. But listen, wonderful as that second scenario might be, it pales in approximation of God's love for us. You see, when the Bible said God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son, He's not talking about someone who's beautiful and attractive or someone who's going to fulfill us, as indeed our wives do. He was talking about people who were filled with enmity and hatred toward Him, people who were prideful and arrogant and self-sufficient. He was talking about people who did not care for Him, only for His blessings, people who have no gratitude in their heart or thanksgiving to God, people like me who snubbed God and ran away from God for a time, people, indeed, who despised His love because He did not give them what they wanted. People who chose to worship His gifts, but not Him, the giver. That people was me, and that people is you. And while we were yet disobedient sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. Hear me, heart, please. There was nothing endearing about us to God. There was nothing attractive about us for Him to love us. Think about this, and think about it this way. God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world the greatest number, that He gave the greatest act, His one and only begotten Son, the greatest gift that whosoever the greatest invitation believes the greatest simplicity in Him the greatest person shall not perish the greatest deliverance, but have the greatest certainty, eternal life the greatest possession. Amen, and amen, and amen. And thank God. Give Him praise. question, where does this incomprehensible love… I mean, you cannot… I was talking to a friend just this week, and I said, I I will not know. I will not understand. Never will. This life, only when I go and see him face to face, 
But where does this incredible, incomprehensible love come from? Where did it come from? Not from anything outside of God. God loves because it is His nature to love. It is His essence. God's love springing from the beneath the everlasting throne. God's love overflows from the spring of infinity. There is no computation that can ever measure the love of God. And that is why the Holy Spirit, who authored the Scripture, the Spirit of God, one of the smallest English words used in order to explain. So, can you say that with me? So, He so loved the world, gives the greatest and the largest gift of all. I've often thought about this, and I often say it here. Why didn't God just shout from heaven? Everybody could hear Him. His God, who could have made the whole world hear Him. Why didn't He just shout from heaven to humanity and said, I love you? Well, how do we know that? How do we know that? People, do your best. Reach out to me. What's our best? How do we know what our best is? People, I hope you make it up here one day. No, 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 beloved, listen to me. His love compelled him to do the unthinkable. His love compelled him to do the impossible. His love compelled him to do the incomprehensible. His love compelled him to do the undoable. God gave his all. Those who love much, give much. And love can only be measured by the degree of sacrifice by the degree of self-denial that are entered into that expression of love. God's love for us is the kind of love that spared nothing, spared nothing, and gave everything. I often think about this, and if you're a dad or a mom, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I don't mind sacrificing part of me. I don't mind even sacrificing myself for my children. But I can assure you, there's no way I'm going to sacrifice my children. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And this is the intensity by which God wants us to begin to comprehend that amazing gift that He gave. You see, when God wanted to communicate to our finite, limited mind, He wanted us to comprehend a little bit of what it is for the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when God wanted to communicate to us something that would be familiar to us, to help us understand, He chose the image of Father, Son. Giving is His nature. Loving is His essence. Our salvation is his longing, his desire. He longs. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you, please. Something that's propagated in a much wider scale than you'll ever imagine. Here's what the Bible did not say. Here's what Jesus did not say in John 3.16. He did not say, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that every man, 
everyone, everywhere, will have everlasting life. That falsehood is preached a lot. Trust me. No, no, no. This, this is falsehood. This universalism is a false preaching. Love brought Jesus down so that only and only and only those who respond to His love will be saved from eternal damnation. When God gave His Son, it was because those who will believe in Him can escape the torment of hell. Why? See, salvation is His desire. It's His longing. He wished that everybody would believe. That is His longing. (laughs) Who are the saved? Everyone who responds to His incomprehensible love. Those who will come to Him in humility and in gratitude and receive His gift. Those who realize that they are unworthy and undeserving of His love. And that's why when God gave us His Son, He did not give Him to live in Caesar's palace. He gave Him to be born in an animal feeding trough. He gave Him to the carpenter's shop. He gave Him to receive the lashing of the tongues and the scourging of His pure character by those who were into religion and religious people. He sent Him to people who spread false accusations about Him like the morning dew. He sent Him to hunger and thirst. He sent Him to homelessness. He sent Him to utter poverty. He sent Him to receive the scourging and the crown of thorns. He sent Him to those who, when He gave His back to the smiters as Isaiah had prophesied, and His cheek to those who would pluck its hair. And ultimately, He gave Him to the cross, where He, on His sinless, perfect body, carried my sin and yours, and the sin of whomsoever. 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 Question, who are the whomsoever? Those who would gladly receive Him as their only Savior and Lord. Those who gladly love Him back with all their hearts. I'm trying to make the distinction between the false gospel that is preached a great deal about how Jesus died on the cross, and therefore salvation was given to everybody in the universe. It doesn't matter what you believe, whether you believe in Jesus or not. And I, I thought about true story. Back when Andrew Jackson was president of the United States, there was a, a criminal who was tried and condemned by the courts. President Jackson offered him a pardon to the condemned man. He offered him a pardon, but he refused that pardon. The prison authorities, the Attorney General of the United States, all tried to convince the man that he should graciously and gratefully accept that pardon, and the man wouldn't do it. They tried to explain to him that not refusing the pardon by the President of the United States is an insult to the President, and the man wouldn't budge. He refused that pardon. Finally, actually, the Attorney General went to consult with the Supreme Court whether they can force the man to accept the pardon. But the Supreme Court decided, now let me read it to you, a pardon was merely a printed statement on a piece of paper until it is accepted. 
Let me repeat this. A pardon was merely a statement printed on a piece of paper until it is accepted. It cannot be considered a pardon. Therefore, the man must be condemned. The end of the court. When Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only one begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him have eternal life, He was saying that He paid the price for that pardon. But until it is accepted, until it's accepted, until you claim that pardon, you're condemned for all of eternity. That eternal condemnation hangs on us, all every one of us, as a dark cloud until we accept the pardon. Today, if there's anyone here at the sound of my voice who would say, yes, Lord, I humbly receive that pardon that cost you everything, that person the Bible said we'll be set free from sin and guilt for all of eternity. Shall we pray? Father, we know that you all hearts are open and all desires are known from you. No secrets are hid. And Holy Spirit, you are here, you're present, because Jesus promised that he will be here when two or three gathered in his name. But so we know, Holy Spirit, you are here. You're convicting some people for the first time to come and receive this pardon and become part of the family of God. And for those who have received that pardon have really lost their spiritual way and they're wandering off in the wilderness, in Jesus' name, I pray for them to come back and be renewed, invigorated by this incredible gift. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.